And we welcome you into episode number 23 of the best podcast available. 23 episodes. Zagura, can you believe it? That's quite impressive. Apropos the last dance going on, Michael Jordan, 23. I think you might have 23 bananas over your shoulder. It's a good number. It is a good number, my friend. And you are very, very observant. I must have been shopping day in the Gibbs house. (laughs) Yeah. You're darn right. We have smoothies. I got a kid that's working out five times a day because she has nothing else to do, basically. Fun times in the city. Good times. In the Gibbs household. I'm Jason Gibbs alongside Andrew Gribble and Nathan Zagura. It is the best podcast available for a Tuesday, the 12th of May, 2020. And guys, as we get things going, the first thing I wanted to talk about, and it actually, I didn't have it in the rundown, but it was something that came to light late in the day on Monday. And that's baseball taking a step money to becoming the first major sports team to return to business after the COVID-19 pandemic. According to the Associated Press, MLB owners approved a proposal that the Players Union could put the game back on the field around the 4th of July, each team playing an 82-game schedule. It includes starting games in stadiums without fans, spring training in mid-June. Teams were already in spring training, obviously, when the sports world shut down in March. A DH for all the teams, expanding rosters to 30, expanding and doubling the number of wildcard teams to create a 14-team postseason. Guys, uh, the first major step we've seen from one of the professional sports groups, and it's Major League Baseball getting into the swing of things, and the boat goes to the players today. Later on today, it'll go to the Players Union. Uh, The Players Union already saying they have a lot of questions in terms of health and how we're going to keep everybody healthy and what happens if someone tests positive. And that seems to be the one, the one matzo ball hanging out there, Gribbs, is we really don't know what happens if someone does test positive and what the game plan is. Yeah, I saw a pretty uh, lengthy Twitter thread uh, from Sean Doolittle, who's considered one of the smarter players in, in baseball. And he raises a lot of good points. And uh, I think that us in the the media, unfortunately, we focus a lot on watching these games and the safety of fans, but we haven't talked a ton about the safety of players. And and I know baseball is not the most contact sport, but those clubhouses are are the ripe environment for for where this disease has kind of flourished. And I think that's the that's the the concern that he has along with others. But you know, I'm excited that they've kind of lined something up, and and they're the first major. Uh, league whose games have been canceled that have, have been able to to get a plan together and uh, I'll be interested first off the thing that stuck, stood out to me is that spring training usually happens in Florida and Arizona in the spring uh, not the summer it's going to be hot uh, that's going to be a, a pretty rough atmosphere I imagine for those players but I'm sure they're just gonna be excited to get to get back out there I just hope that they're for the no fan games I'm hoping they're just as creative as the Korean Baseball League which I've seen some uh, amazing fan cutouts uh, so far watching those games already. I just think it's a positive thing overall, right? We're getting the Bundesliga back. We're getting Premier League back June 1st. So this is good, and it's advance of the NFL. So people are going to be able to go through and, and hopefully provide a roadmap for the NFL, and mistakes will be made, I'm sure, along the way, and you'll have an opportunity to, to, to see those, see how they're dealt with, and then see what you need to do, what needs to be in place. So I think it's great news. Uh, for the sports world in general, and we'll see, you know, how these things move forward. And even if, you know, the MLBPA, they can't agree on this initially, just having the Premier League and the Bundesliga in Europe, I think, is is big because 
that's going to really kind of start things going. And there'll be, I'm sure, dialogue between all the major sports leagues in America and those major sports leagues so that they can get a feel for this. And I think it's good that others are going. And by the way, if other leagues go and show success, that's going to make it so much easier uh, for the NFL to move forward this fall. Yeah, and you said it. It's a starting point. We had to start somewhere. So let's yep. start and figure it out. And hopefully in the next three months, uh, we can have some things figured out in terms of professional sports. So that way the NFL uh, can get underway. And again, the NFL with that luxury of really not needing to start. I mean, we're, we're all slated to start September 13th, but obviously if it needed to push back a couple of weeks, we would have that luxury as well. All right, so now what from an NFL standpoint? And that's how we kick off today's best podcast available. What happens next for the NFL and the Browns? Now that the draft is over, free agency is just about in the rearview mirror and, and fading quickly. There's still some things to be happening and still some things uh, to be decided in terms of players and who goes where. But for the most part, these are the teams – this is the roster we're going to have as we go to whatever training camp we're going to. But for the last few months, it's been nice. We've had NFL free agency. We've had the draft to look forward to. Now it's everybody's kind of in a wait and see mode, Gribs, as we approach uh, the next milestone, which would be the start of training camp. Yeah, I do feel like we missed out on an annual tradition of uh, prematurely crowning rookies as superstars after the rookie minicamp. I mean, that is, yes. that is a tradition. None other uh, in in Berea and every other area in the NFL. I mean, you see some of these guys go first round picks going up against guys that are not even going to make an NFL team this year. They they can look pretty special, but you know they went through the virtual off season program uh, this past weekend. I mean, and it's just going to be about them coming together in a really unique way. I mean, I think that's that's kind of the story of of what's going on now. I mean, you've got about a month left of this kind of program. And then you have that month and a half where we're all supposed to go on vacation and get ready for the 2020 season. It's it, that, that might be the most different part of this is we might be busier during that time to catch up on some of the other, other stuff. So again, it's a lot of wait and see. I would say the next month is going to be very different, but then that month and a half before training camp, that's what these guys are usually always doing at that time of year. So it's just going to be about where the country is and, and how everyone's ready to go. And I think the the mindset is getting everyone mentally ready for a real training camp at the end of July because that's the the optimistic outlook right now yeah that's the goal and all the guys that I've talked to have said that you know this while it's unique has actually gotten them more focused when they've gotten into their playbooks when they go into those meetings because that's kind of what their day is built around and so you know when you have this kind of the monotony of the same day over and over in this period when they get to dial in and and lock into the playbook and the coaches and the meetings they said that they've actually found that it's making them more engaged. And so I think that's a good thing because all you can do right now is try to win the mental side of this, trying to master your playbook, trying to understand all the calls and the checks on the defense, all the little things that you need to do, the mental reps. That's all you can master right now. Keep yourself in shape, obviously. But if, if the buy-in is there and it seems like it is and these guys are really focused, you know, we might really be able to hit the ground running when we finally get everybody back here for training camp. And the other thing, though, that was sad, uh, other than crowning the rookies, is you didn't get to see the guys who get invited to that rookie camp like a Taylor Gabriel a few years ago who turned that into an NFL career. And because of what happened this year, you know, there aren't going to be those Cinderella stories, unfortunately. 
Yeah, no question about it. I mean, that's – and there are plenty of guys to watch because the Browns had quite the, uh, quite the haul after the draft was over in terms of securing some of the best undrafted uh, rookies from the 2020 NFL draft. We're all in wait-and-see mode, and we'll see how things play out. One thing we do know is the 2020 NFL schedule – and specifically the Brown schedule is out. Gribbs and I did a BPA about it. Zagura, you and Bo Bishop were doing the virtual schedule release show with a cornucopia of stars. And oh, yes. I know that we've all had a few days. Yes. All, we've all had a few days to take a look at that schedule and, and really kind of break it down and analyze it. And now that I have both of you guys together in one Zoom, uh, I wanted to get a few takeaways from both of you. The first one, what would be your first airing of grievances uh, with the schedule maker if we're talking uh, the NFL schedule, specifically the Brown schedule? Zagur, I'll start with you. I don't know that I really have any grievances, to be honest with you. I mean, do you want to open up on the road in Baltimore? No, but at the same time, it's a no-lose situation. You are not expected to win that game. Uh, you get to play free. It's going to be something that, you know, they haven't seen from us before. We're a new team, new head coach, new offensive system. So maybe you have a chance to catch them, you know, by surprise. And we've had success in Baltimore. We won there last year. So I don't really have any grievances. Would I have liked to see us get, you know, a third primetime game? Sure. But I'm fine with us flying under the radar right now. I think that's actually a very good thing for this football team. And, and I love the balance of the schedule, eight games by eight games. I love the fact that every quarter of the schedule has two home and two road. It's really laid out, I think, pretty nicely for the Cleveland Browns. So, so I don't mind it at all. And we get to go to Jacksonville at the end of November, so that was good timing. I would have had a grievance if they put that Jacksonville road trip in September. All right, the more I've thought about it, and I, I, I get sick of hearing this talking point about the, the Browns and Thanksgiving. I wanted the Browns to play on Thanksgiving against the Cowboys. And I, I, I'm sick of hearing people say, Same. oh, it's because the Browns weren't very good last year. That's not the reason at all. I, I think that they're playing the Redskins this year. They they stink like that. I know it's a division game, but that's not a good matchup. Last year, the Cowboys played the Bills on Thanksgiving. No one thought the Bills were going to be good going into that season. It has nothing to do with the Browns' record last year and why they're not playing on Thanksgiving. I would have liked the Thanksgiving game. It hasn't happened since the 80s. Let's get the Browns back on Thanksgiving. I think that would have been a huge matchup. So I would have rather had that Cowboys game on Thanksgiving. I would even – I would give you two options. You could have gone Thanksgiving afternoon in Dallas or play that game against the divisional opponent Thursday night. Yeah. Let's, let's get – I think I would have preferred the Cowboys because I feel like that's like a Thanksgiving staple. Like I, I sure. Get this, this night game, I, I, I almost rarely watch that night game. I'm, I'm just – I'm done by that time of day. I'm, I'm Thanksgiving. Well, fr fr the problem is Friday becomes a work day for us. Like we're, in, we're off and running at 9.30 the day after Thanksgiving. Yeah, so that, that's my grievance. I know the easy grievance is the back-to-back -back New Yorks uh, at the end of the season, but that's, that's a personal issue for the, for the players. I don't know if that, that matters. Or it's just like going on two short road trips back-to-back. -back. I mean, it's not – it's just, yeah. just the same stadium, same locker room, same nice hotel. Just different colors. Yeah. One week it'll be blue, one week it'll be green. <laughs> I just want to know if I can keep all the radio gear in the booth and not have to pack it all up at the end. That would be spectacular. Uh, next up, toughest stretch for this team. Gribble, we'll start with you. I know you had some uh, thoughts last week as to this. I want to know if they've changed at all now that you've looked at the schedule. 
Uh, no, they have not. Because I, I think that it's the post-buy stretch that you have with the Texans, Eagles, Jags, Titans, Ravens, I mean, that makes or breaks your entire season. And I think that's, that's, a, that's, that's one of the tougher stretches you're going to have uh, during the entire season. And I, I, I just think that if you, if you can come out of that stretch three and two, you're probably in good shape going down the stretch and, and playing some meaningful football the rest of the way. Yeah, and I like the fact that you're coming off your bye week for the Texans. You'll have been at home for a month by the time you face the Eagles, and, and then hopefully you can take care of business in Jacksonville. So if you can get one of those two home games and then get the one in Jacksonville, as you said, I think you're on your way uh, to having a little bit of success there. I'll go just for a different portion of the schedule. I'll go starting week four at Dallas, home for the Colts, at the Steelers, at the Bengals. That's a, that's a stretch you got to go two and two in. You've got to at least – you know, and three and one would be ideal, but that's a stretch you got to go two and two and with two very difficult road games against the Cowboys and the Steelers and the Colts are no slouches with Phillip Rivers there. And he's played very well against us whenever he gets the opportunity. And then you got to go on the road and take on a Bengals team. And we lost in Cincinnati last year. I know totally different team on both sides of the ball and on both sides of the, of the field in that one. But I think that's a tough stretch, three out of four on the road and two of them very, very tough games at Dallas and at Pittsburgh. Do we make too much of week number one and the Browns needing to win week one? No, they don't have to win. They don't have to win week one. They're 10-point underdogs right now. So I like that, though. They can, you can play that. We're not getting any respect. We beat that team by double digits last time we were in Baltimore. If it wasn't a late touchdown, we'd have beat them by 20. So I, I don't mind that at all. And no, you don't have to win that one. What you do have to do is make sure you come home, and in the next two weeks, you take on the teams that pick first and second in this draft at home, you've got to win those. You've got to be two and one at worst after three games. Yeah, I, I, I just think I've seen so many home season opening losses. It's just you want to win one of these. This is not the year where it's a must win. Like I, I get, I mean, as bad as last year's season opener was, and that was as bad as it gets uh, in terms of just everything going wrong. That game didn't derate. That's not the reason the season went. Uh, astray later no. you had time to recover you felt good after beating the Jets on Monday night week two you just need to recover I mean if maybe I would say it was maybe a must win if it's the Redskins in, at home to open the season maybe then I'll call it a, I would call it a must win but at, at a team that hasn't lost uh, a regular season game since you last played in week four last year I, I can't get too caught up in it. it it would just make winning all that sweeter I mean that would just be a huge way to start the year if you can win that yeah, no question about it. All right, to make the playoffs, if you're the Cleveland Browns, what, give me the record they have to have at home and the record that they have to have in the division. Gribble, I'll start with you. Uh, I would go five and three at home. That, that gets you in a position where you can potentially maybe go four and four on the road and maybe sneak into the playoffs. So five and three is probably the minimum. Uh, and I think the division – you probably got to go four and two. I think with the way that this thing is set up, especially if you're dealing with the seven team playoff format, you're going to want to have a better uh, edge over your division foes who I imagine if we're talking about seven teams in the playoffs, you're, you're probably including the Ravens and Steelers in the mix there as well. Zagura. Yeah, I think probably that's right. I think five and three at home. I still think you can go three and three in the division if you split and still have an opportunity to make it. But yeah, you want to go four and two and you want to sweep somebody. And that's something we haven't been able to do. Last year, we got to the point where we did split with everybody. Now we need to step it up and we need to sweep somebody this year. And so I think that's the right record for it. Look, you got to be nine and seven to be in the conversation. 
period. I mean, however you get there, truthfully, it doesn't matter. You've got to get there, and you've got to be at a minimum nine wins. Ten wins, I think you feel pretty good about your chances. And there's a, there's a path to ten wins. I mean, I really think there is a nice path to ten wins, but you've got to handle your business, and you're going to have to beat, you know, some very good football teams. You play, there's some good teams on the schedule. I really think starting fast, though, is important for this team. And, yeah, at two and two after four, that's right where you were a year ago. I think that that would be fine. Uh, but you've got to try to get up above that 500. If you somehow could go three and one in the first quarter, knowing that you played the Steelers, I mean the Cowboys and the Ravens on the road, then you're feeling pretty good. That confidence hits. You've got the Colts at home. They've all of a sudden you're four and one, and then now the season is all before you. And so I think it's just critical that we don't get behind the eight ball because – with this team and the personalities on this team and the way the media focuses on us, having some success, I think, will go a long way to snowballing, starting off and getting all the questions, and that would not be ideal after last year. And by the way, I think we're going to be much better than people think we are. I think Baker Mayfield's going to have a tremendous season. I think this offense is going to be great for him. I don't, I don't want to be third bullet point under in the hunt on week 12 on the, on the ground. No, we want no, to be, want to be above the, in the hunt. Three. Yeah, I've had enough of that these last two years. Yeah, we want to be in. If the playoffs started today, the Browns would be in. That's where we want to be. I don't want to start doing tiebreakers and weird math and no. four-way scenarios. I mean, that's for the Browns. But you're the king of that, Gribble. I, well, I do my Gribble, job. you are the master at that. I do my job. You do it well, my friend. <laughs> I, I just know that if I have a question, Gribble will know. And Gribble will handle it. I would like meaningful football on December 14th. That's a Monday nighter here against the Ravens. I would like a meaningful football game on January 3rd against the Steelers. And if you want to flex that, I'm fine doing that too. By the way, I hope that isn't a meaningful game and that we're already in the playoffs and that we can just laugh at them as they're trying to get in and we can end up knocking them out. How about that? It's kind of a hot take. Why not? It's not even a hot take. Let's just be the only way. Though, the only way it's not meaningful is if you got that one seed locked up now. You can't even lock up the two seed. It's true. You're gonna be. They've made it so you're playing meaningful football no matter what. It probably. Let's go ahead. Who thought the Ravens were gonna be 14 and two? Who thought they were gonna be the one seed a year ago? Let's go. The way Ravens have won the same number of playoff games. They've won the same number of playoff games as we have the last two years. No big deal. Sure. That's the question now. Big, that's big. what they're dealing with. When we beat them, if, if the Browns beat them in week one, that's what they're going to be doing. Can they win the big one? Are they rattled? Is Lamar really the guy? Is he a great regular season quarterback? What's going on? We could do a lot with a win week one. That plane ride home. Maybe it'll be a virtual plane ride for us. Maybe we'll get the uh, fire trucks out there again, serenade, serenading us, welcoming us, the conquering heroes. <laughs> Did you see that in the last dance when that was in the last dance when they got – that was for winning the NBA title. A little bit different. Yeah. Yeah, there were reasons. That's all right. Uh, We're fired up. <laughs> big picture. So NBC has flex schedule rights weeks five through 16. So the first four and the last one, there's no flex. Uh, they don't have a say. Why not the entire season if there's no fans? And same thing with ESPN. If there are going to be no fans in the stands, we all hope there are, and we're planning for there to be, but if in some situation there aren't, should ESPN and NBC have a flex option for the entire year? Or with ESPN, do you go, hey, you can flex four games, knowing full well that the TV contract is up at the end of the year and it's going to be time for someone to get paid? 
I think some of it's you got to have the schedule. The schedule's made, and you know what the matchups are. And by the way, if you look at it, this is the best slate of games ESPN's gotten in a long, long time. Not a coincidence uh, based on what you were alluding to at the end. The contract's up. Everybody's getting great games. I, I don't mind it. I think you need the flex. You know, it's starting in week five. That's when you, you need it more the second half of the season. If somebody you thought was going to be good ends up not being good. Otherwise, I think, I think they're good with that. I, I like it, and it's fun to look forward to the primetime matchups. Yeah, I'm trying to think of, like, it's hard to be like a surprise team in like the first couple of weeks where you're like, man, we right. got to get that team on, on Sunday night. I, I also, to get a little inside baseball, I think there's a lot of work that needs done pre-production wise for these broadcasts and, you know, those graphics and features don't make themselves. I mean, they've got to, they got to get those things done and then they're planned for the rest of the way. So, I mean, CBS does this with their early college football games too. Uh, I, I think it's it's fine. I, if they real if you mess up a week one through five Sunday night matchup, that that's just bad scheduling to me. All right, that's a little talk on the Browns' 2020 schedule as it goes right now on Tuesday, May 12th. We'll see what happens a few months from now. Check back. I'm sure we'll have the latest as things develop. Uh, Peter King, guys, I wanted to talk about in his Football Morning in America column today. I, I should say yesterday. Uh, with an I think on his 10 things I think. Number one, I think there's more than one team right now thinking that in the age of the virus, any road trip that is a two-hour flight or shorter will be day of game travel. And he points out the Ravens uh, have three home games, a bye week, and two road games between September 21st and November 7th. The road games at Washington, a 31-mile bus ride. At Philly, a 106-mile bus ride. And then the Ravens flying five times in the last nine weeks. At Indy, at New England, at Pittsburgh, at Cleveland, at Cincinnati, the longest flight, 82 minutes to Indianapolis. Obviously, it doesn't make sense for every team, but it clearly is something to monitor as we go. Gribble, your thoughts on teams – getting up really early on Sunday morning and flying, getting off the plane, going right to the game, playing and flying home. Well, listen, if that's the healthiest thing you can do and to, the way to keep people the safest as possible, then uh, I'm all for uh, open-minded thinking at this point. I'm green light thinking with all of this stuff. I'm not trying to, to stop any potential idea. I would say it would, uh, with the Ravens, their schedule mirrors ours, obviously pretty closely. And, and the Browns, I mean, compared to last year, I think the flight to Dallas might be the only long flight yep. the team has all year. Jacksonville's maybe a little bit of a, a maybe a little bit over two hours, but you know that's about it. I mean, so the the schedule's pretty similar for the Browns as well. I would just say that doing that flies in not pardon the pun. It, it flies in the face of like everything we've been told about getting these guys' bodies right and and ready to go for for playing in these games. And I, I, that 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 would be the question I would have is you know we we hear about guys locking up on planes or you know there's 350 pound guys stuffed in small seats you, you want to give them time to get their legs back I mean that's the thing that you'd worry about and, and if, it, if it could or not I don't know the answer lead to more injuries I mean that, that that's stuff that all the medical smarter people than me need to figure out but again green light thinking uh, I'm, I'm willing to get creative. Yeah, it could make a lot of sense. I mean, think about it. we have back-to-backs in New York. Who knows what's going to be going on in New York at that time? But the idea that you could fly in, get right into sanitized chartered buses, take those right to the stadium, play, get right back into those, again, sanitized chartered buses and get right back into your own plane, it just limits the exposure on so many levels. 
uh, for the team. So I think it could make a lot of sense in the games where you have short ones. Now, if that's something that teams do decide to do, if there's a handful of teams now, because it's not going to be feasible for every game, I think the NFL would do a real, we talk about flex scheduling, a real service to say, you know what, we're going to move some of these games to four. Like we're going to have games that naturally teams have to fly in the night before. Let's leave those at one and let's let, if there's some same day travel, let's let those games be at four. Because all of a sudden, if you're talking about the bodies, if you can get on a plane to New York at 10, land at noon, be to the stadium by one, that's, I think that's, and then you have, you know, your three hours to really prepare for that game. That probably feels pretty good to these players and probably feels pretty good just in general. As you know, we're fortunate to travel with the team. These are short flights. Yeah. The players are in, you know, it's not ideal. It's not like an NBA plane where everybody gets their own luxury recliner, but I think they would be fine under those auspices. But I think that would be to your point with creative thinking is, saying, all right, let's look at the schedule. Okay, these people have to go the day before. Let's keep them at one. These people who don't, let's maybe move some of those games to four to give them flexibility here on this travel. Yeah, I think it's something that bears watching. And, and Nathan, you bring up a great point about moving maybe some of those day of travel games a little bit later in the day. And it goes back to, we have a schedule. I think everything is fair game to be moved around, especially, you know, God forbid this virus rears its ugly head again for a second round as the experts have called it late fall and into the winter months uh mel kuyper jr uh has his way too early big board in position rankings for the 2020 season and next year's draft a little bit of an overachiever he's got trevor lawrence one he's got justin fields two probably 99% of America, with the other 1% being in Columbus, would disagree with that. But can you make an argument for Justin Fields to be the number one quarterback? Gribble, start with you. Uh, No, I cannot. Uh, I'll leave it at that. I I think Trevor Lawrence would have been the first round, would have been the first pick in maybe the last two drafts. And I think he's, barring an injury, that would be my argument if he gets hurt. Then Justin Fields can be number one. I just think Trevor Lawrence is really good. And I think he's one of those guys. This is like an Andrew Luck type prospect, if you if if you will, with just the the consensus, just how solid of a player he is, smart, every kind of total package. And I think that's why we're seeing a, a few teams already angling uh, for themselves to to get maybe in that number one spot. I will say this: When was the last time the guy everybody expected to be the number one pick actually was the number one pick at quarterback? It hasn't happened in a while. Probably Andrew Luck. That would probably be the, that would be the last yeah. one because you would have thought Baker was not supposed to be the number one pick. Kyler was not supposed to be the number one pick. Joe Burrow, Tua was supposed to be the number yeah. one pick, not Joe Burrow. So y- you never know. I, it sounds like they're both tremendous prospects. I know everybody, Justin Fields is a great player in his own right. Lawrence, I, I would be shocked if he ends up not being the guy. But then again, we haven't correctly predicted that top quarterback, you know, a few years in a row. So we'll see, we'll see what ultimately what happens. But Trevor Lawrence certainly – Every time you watch him, you say, yeah, I get it. And that's not to say you don't when you see Fields, but Lawrence has been there and been kind of groomed to be this guy for a few years. As you mentioned, Andrew Luck's probably the last time you had somebody where it felt like that. Yeah, All right. Lawrence in this draft would have been interesting. Lawrence versus Burrow with the season Burrow had, that would have been incredible. And I think there would have been some divided people on that. Yeah. Gribble, what would you have done? That was what I was going – I wanted oh. to double back on if Burrow – and Trevor Lawrence are available to you, the owner of the Bengals, you're Mike Brown. 
at number one, who are you taking? I'm taking Trevor Lawrence. I just think he's the better prospect. And I, I think that you'd, you'd have to go with full body of work. And, you know, Burrow had one really good season, and that was good enough to be the number one pick and would have been the number one pick in a lot of drafts. I just think Lawrence is probably the better quarterback. All right, Zagura, if you're Washington at number two in, this, in that situation, I would almost have to guarantee someone's coming up to number two to grab him. No, I'm staying there, and I'm picking one of those two guys. Like 100%. Throw Haskins experiments over? Over. Get somebody up. We'll send him to Jacksonville. They need a quarterback. Do what the Cardinals did with Josh Rosen. Absolutely. Absolutely. You think you got that guy and Lawrence and Burrow, if you could get one of those two? Absolutely. Not even a a question in my mind. I wouldn't even listen. I'd I'd listen to offers. Now, if Miami offered me five – if they have me their three first rounders, then I might really think about it because I could talk myself into the Tua Jameis pairing and then uh, go ahead and, and load up in the draft. So we'll see. But I would I would probably stay. T- it would have to be something that completely blew my mind. Otherwise, I just would have stayed there and taken the quarterback. Quarterback's the most important thing in the NFL because it's not just having a good one. You have to have a truly elite one. Sometimes having a good quarterback who's not great is almost worse because you're constantly going to be kind of good, but you're never going to be able to win the Super Bowl. And it's, if you look in the recent history, especially you go back to the early 2000s, yeah, you could win Super Bowls without great quarterbacks. Recently, it's been nothing but great quarterbacks who win Super Bowls. Mahomes, Brady, Russell Wilson, Peyton, while his arm wasn't great at the end of that, his mind was the best maybe ever. I mean, you go back for the last decade, it's pretty much great quarterbacks. And yeah, you can make it there like a Jared Goff, who I think is a good quarterback, not a great quarterback. And I do like him a lot, but I don't think he's on that level where he elevates everybody around him. Yeah, they had a nice run to get there, but he needs – if you're not a truly great quarterback, you need either a tremendous scheme or a great supporting cast. Once you get paid, even though you're only pretty good, it's harder to get you that supporting cast. And it becomes you get in this catch-22 of you have all this money's invested here. We can't spend it there, but we're still not good enough. And so you either want to be, I think, historic. You want to be elite at quarterback, or you'd rather be bad and try to get elite at quarterback. I like it. Indeed. All right. One final thing on a Tuesday, the 12th of May, 2020. Hopefully the snow's done. I, I, I really better I, be. hope. I, I don't know. I need that to stop. I can – I can work my way through the pandemic. I cannot work through snow in May. It's unacceptable. Uh, Former NBA star Kendrick Perkins, with a question that I ask to you from the Twitter world, he asks, this was Sunday night during the last dance, what if LeBron would have retired for two years and went and played wide receiver for the Cleveland Browns? Can we put the myth to bed that this experiment might not have gone the way that everyone would have thought? Or is that myth live on? Gribble, I'm going to start with you. I mean, first off, I'd want him at tight end, not wide receiver. He'd have to drop some some pounds to to get to wide receiver. Secondly, I mean, that might have been that could have been lose lose for everyone, and I, I would be worried. I mean, the Cavs lose their best player. I mean, LeBron, that would have been fun for the for the Browns. I just I mean, when is that putting you over the top? I mean. Do you need to sell tickets? I mean, that would be the only upside. And I don't I, – I, I'm not doubting LeBron's prowess. I think he was a great high school football player. But uh, one non-quarterback does not uh, make you a championship-level team. But taking a LeBron away from the Cavaliers 
would make them not a championship team. So I'm down on this experiment. <laughs> I think you'd have been a pro bowler. I, I really do. I mean, I watched, wow. I watched us take Terrell Pryor, who couldn't even get off the line of scrimmage in Buffalo in training camp, and a year later was a 1,000-yard receiver in the NFL. And he's a tremendous athlete in his own right, but LeBron's a better athlete. LeBron's one of the greatest athletes ever. At tight end, he would be a mismatch. I mean, people for- – Is he almost too tall? He's like, what, six, he's 6'8"? Six, 6'8 eight? Six, eight or 6'9"? Six, uh, I just think he'd be – the way that he's he can move, territory. The way that he can move – he's not playing quarterback. The way that he can move, his agility, his body control. I mean, you think about how good Antonio Gates was. Antonio Gates was a basketball player and wasn't a tenth of the athlete of LeBron James. I, I get it. I'm just saying, as a Clevelander, I don't know if that's a win-win for everyone. Like, LeBron's well, probably not putting him to the top anyway. on the football field. If he's going to go to Miami, might as well have him go to the Browns. Well, that, yeah, then I would have been fine with that. He stays in Cleveland to play football. I'm fine with that. But if I'm losing him from the Cavs to play for the Browns, as a Clevelander, I don't know who's winning there. All right. So, say he's going to Miami, and he's like, I'm going to take a couple of years before I go to Miami, and I'm going to take my talents to the NFL and play tight end. If, then I what, want him on the Browns. Does he have a successful two-year yes. run? pro bowler. Yes, absolutely. Gribble. I think he's better than Jordan was at baseball. I think that's, like, I think that's okay. as far as I can go. Okay. So, like, Jordan Cameron was kind of a basketball player and yeah. then ends up being a tight end. And a thousand-yard season with the Cleveland Browns. You mean to tell big play Gare? No, I love big play Gare. One of my favorite people <laughs> in the world. We're talking about LeBron James. Those guys were successful at a high level in the National Football League. You mean to tell me LeBron James isn't going to go out there and do that? I, I just worry and I wonder about the whole transition, the physicality of the game, all that. I just it, – it's a different thing. You know, there's, there's hand-checking rules in the NBA. Oh, hand, there's hand-fighting oh. in the NFL. Okay, okay. LeBron used to get beaten up all the time all the time and we're talking about he would have to do this he'd have to be young I mean we're not talking about LeBron today we're no. talking about LeBron in his what what 25 you know seven years in the league eight years in the league 25 26 the guy would be he would be dominant Russ would be down Russell Westbrook Russell Westbrook would be maybe one of the best receivers in the history of the world if he played Think about how big he is. Lot, there's been a lot of great athletes that have stunk at wide receiver. I have not Russ. That guy's crazy. He's physical, and he'd run past everybody. Any jump ball he would get. He's like, what? How big is Russ? Like 6'3", six, 6'4"? Six, yeah. I mean, that's what Randy Moss, and he's supposed to be a giant, but you think because he's on bas in basketball, Russ isn't a big guy. Russ would – he would be unbelievable, and he would be a tenacious run blocker. I'm just saying, I've seen a lot of these guys in Browns training camp that don't make the team. They'll look great, like great athletes that – can, We're talking about a different level. We're talking about Russell Westbrook and, and I, LeBron James. I'm not saying Joe Schmohawk off the, the Dean Wade is going to come in here and dominate, okay? I'm, I'm going elite, elite athletes. I'm just saying that a, a, a Pro Bowl elite tight end, what's the, what's the, the war on that? Like a 1.5 more wins? I mean, a Rob Gronkowski is probably pretty high. He's worth a win or two? I, just wanna, I would say so. Okay, so that's, that's, that's fine, but NBA... It's not a quarterback. It's not the same. It's not apples to apples. I'm just saying they would be successful at what they were trying to accomplish. I'm, nothing about their team. Them as individuals would be I'm successful. Just, I'm just saying a, a Cavs to Browns trade. I mean, 
The Cavs, the Cavs are going from 60 wins to 20 wins in a hurry. The decimation on the Cavs is not equal in any way, shape, or form to the bump that the Browns are right. getting. None. The, the NBA would award us, award us the number one pick if, after a season like that, leaving to go to the Browns. Man. So, all right. Some fun little things. That's what we talk about in May on the best podcast available. That's right. <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you for your time on this day. For Andrew Gribble, for Nathan Zagura, I'm Jason Gibbs. Thanks to Jeff McDaniel for all of his hard work and efforts. Make sure to log on to clevelandbrowns.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Like and subscribe today to the best podcast available. Make sure you also check out uh, our YouTube page, clevelandbrowns.com, or youtube.com slash clevelandbrowns. That's what happens when you get a little wordy. I think it's just youtube.com slash browns, but that's okay. Yeah, whatever. YouTube.com slash Browns. Just get there. Yeah, minor. That's all right. I called Baco Anthony last week. That is his name. Oh, wait. No, I called him Andrew. Hold on. I called him Andrew. Yes. I was waiting for the Having all kinds of fun today. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I called Gibbs Gibbs last week. Crazy. Yeah. I've been called a lot worse in my life. We'll leave it at that. Andrew Gribble. For Nathan Zagura, I'm Jason Gibbs. Thanks for watching and thanks for listening to the best podcast available.